Welcome to the Season 2 finale of Wild Speculation. I'm Andrew Rising, your guide on this journey through the strange, wonderful, and sometimes disturbing worlds of speculative fiction. For this season finale, we have a story that will explore the comedic side of fantasy. This story asks, what if the characters inside a fantasy tabletop role-playing game had to deal with the same or similar problems we have to deal with out here in the real world. So sit back, pray that the dice give you better luck than the hapless adventurers in our story have, and enjoy. Roll for Deception. As Glynn looked around at his sleeping comrades, he tried to quell his anxiety about the next day's meeting. They were almost out of coin and needed this job, but so many things could go wrong. What if another crew has already arrived and gotten the job? What if they don't believe our claims? What if... As his thoughts began to spiral into panic, he took out the job posting that Rhea had found back at the tavern in Kingsford and read it for the eleventh time. Wanted. A capable team of self-sufficient private contractors needed to recover a stolen item. Must have five years' experience working as a team, and at least two members with credentials from accredited schools or guilds. References for the team are required. References for individual members are preferred. If interested, please meet with Reginald Lorson, Earl of Grenfork, at the Sleepy Kraken Tavern in Millerton before sundown on the 7th of Oust. The job will go to the first qualified team to arrive. Payment will be 500 silver half-chips upon hire and 200 gold chips upon delivery. It was only a year since Glynn had joined up with Harold and Nix. To highlight their willingness to take all sorts of jobs, they had called themselves the Chimera Company. Patras had joined them six months ago, Rhea only two months ago, when they took jobs that needed a thief and a healer, respectively. No matter how you sliced it, they fell woefully short of the experience requirement for this job. Still, it's not like this Reginald guy will have a chance to verify our resume, right? And in the end, all that matters is that we do the job. They were all so young, though. Would anyone really believe that they had been working together for five years? Glynn himself had only become a squire five years ago. This isn't going to work. We're going to arrive in Millerton and be laughed out of the room. We can't do this. I can't do this. We'll have to disband and I'll have to move home and take a job in the town guard. A failure. Glynn took slow, deep breaths in an attempt to slow his heart rate. He was a knight, he reminded himself. A sworn defender of the realm. He could make this work. He would make this work. Ever since the war ended and most of the standing army was dissolved, well-paying private contracting jobs had begun to require extensive experience. Local adventuring bands were suddenly in competition with teams of grizzled ex-soldiers, making it hard for young adventuring groups like the Chimera Company to compete. But this Earl of Grenfork was in a tight spot. He couldn't afford to question Glynn and his friends when the stolen item was getting further away with each moment of delay. I just can't let my anxiety show at the meeting tomorrow. Clenching his clammy hands, 
Glynn wondered how exactly he would find the strength to stand firm in the face of such a task. As he led his team to the sleepy kraken the next day, Glynn tried not to think about all the ways the meeting could go horribly wrong. He needed to concentrate on projecting an air of maturity and competence. At the door of the tavern he paused and whispered a few quick reminders to the team so they wouldn't be caught in any of the lies on their resume. Remember, each of you is three years older than you actually are, except for you, Priya. You are your own age. Patris and Nix, I know neither of you are on good terms with your guilds, but this Earl guy won't have time to follow up on that. If we show him your guild coins along with Rhea's diploma and my certification, I'm hoping we can impress him enough that he'll overlook the ways we're lacking. Everyone got it? The team nodded. Taking a deep breath, Glynn pushed open the door, hoping he didn't look as nervous as he felt. As they entered the mostly empty bar, the man behind the counter perked up. Well, hello, young travelers. What can I do you for? Can I interest you in a hot meal and some drinks? Maybe some rooms for the night? Business is slow this afternoon, so you'll have your pick of rooms and some say in what the cook makes for the evening meal. I'm the owner here. Hoyta's my name. Glynn put the job notice down on the counter. We're looking for Reginald Lorson, Earl of Grenfork. Got word he has work for a crew like ours. Hoyta seemed to deflate, disappointed. He gestured to a door on his left. In there. You sure I can't interest you in a meal first? Doesn't do to have a job interview on an empty stomach. Glynn was hungry and knew his team was too, but they were out of money. Tell you what, Hoyta. We land this job, we'll buy a meal from you, plus a few days' worth of travel food besides. How's that sound? The barkeep mumbled something about preparing some packs as the team crossed the room and Glynn knocked on the door. They heard some shuffling, then a woman's voice said, Enter. Inside, a severe-looking woman with gray hair pulled into a tight bun sat behind a table. A few armed guards stood against the wall. Yes, what do you want? Hello, um, we're here to, um... Harold elbowed Glynn in the ribs, and the young knight cleared his throat, remembering the introduction he had crafted the night before. Good afternoon, dear madam. I am Sir Glynn, Defender of the Realm, and this fine band of adventurers is the Chimera Company. We have traveled far to answer the Earl of Grenfork's call for aid in recovering a stolen artifact. If he is still seeking such assistance, we would beg leave to speak to... Cut the bullshit. The woman's harsh words brought Glynn up short. Uh, I'm sorry, wh- what You're here for the job. The Earl had to go back to see to things on his estate, so he'll be unable to meet you. Which is fine, because I'm the one who takes care of this kind of thing for him. So, why should I hire you? Glynn had not expected such a blunt, abrasive encounter, and it threw him off. But Nix stepped in. Madam, you seem to be a woman who appreciates frank honesty, so if I may be so bold, we need each other. Based on the information in the Earl's notice, we would be at least a week behind the thief starting today. You need a team that can go after the thief as soon as possible. We need a job and jobs have been hard to come by for crews like ours since the war ended. 
so look over our paperwork if you must, but then let's hammer out the details so we could be on our way to recovering this artifact. The woman steepled her fingers in front of her face and smiled. I think I can make a deal with you, girl. More easily than I could have with Prince Poetry there. She nodded at Glynn, and he felt himself flushing. Come on, Sir Singsong, let's see your papers. Glynn tried to suppress his embarrassment and rage as he brought forward the documentation. Here's our resume, complete with a list of references. Our healer Rhea's diploma from the Fairfield School of Apothecaric and Alchemic Sciences, and my writ of commission as a defender of the realm. Glynn waved forward Nix and Patris. Our ranger and our thief both have guild membership in their respective professions. They put their guild coins on the table next to the paper documents. The woman gave it all barely a cursory glance. Looks like everything's in order. We can make a deal. But first, let me make one thing clear. I do not tolerate failure or betrayal. If you give up, I will hunt you down and force you to pay back this advance with interest, taking payment in blood if necessary. If you decide to keep the artifact instead of returning it, I will be far less merciful. Prag? One of the guards walked to a door behind the woman and pulled it open. Inside the closet, a nearly naked man hung by his ankles. His arms were bound to his sides, and there was a gag in his mouth. His body was covered in cuts and bruises, and one eye was swollen shut. Blood dripped from his hair into a bucket on the floor. Glynn's eyes went wide. He had a sudden, wild instinct to cut the man down and save him. This he had to suppress. Slowly, watching the man, the woman smiled. That is Bartimi. He's the last man who betrayed the Earl. His crew I killed slowly over several days. Bartimi wasn't so lucky. Instead of dying, he has served as a living warning to anyone who might consider betraying the Earl. It's been two years of constant agony for him. So, Prince Charming, unless you want to watch your crew die and then take old Bartimi's place there, you better not even think about absconding with the goods. We clear? Glynn looked at his companions. Nix looked queasy, but she nodded at his questioning glance. The rest looked grim, but determined. Rhea nodded. They needed this money. They were on board. Glynn looked the woman in the eyes. Bluffing and public speaking gave him anxiety, but threat of physical harm he could face. We'll take the job. We won't betray you. So tell us, what is this artifact you want us to retrieve, and what information do you have about the person who stole it? Wendell? One of the guards, a young man who looked like he had no business wielding a halberd, approached the table. Sir Storybook, this is Wendell. He'll be accompanying you. He can identify both the thief and the artifact. The artifact is a small stone statue, about a hand span tall. The thief is a merchant who came through the Earl's lands ten days ago. Wendell will provide you with more information as you travel. Glynn nodded. He did not like this woman. She was cruel, crueler than any of the criminals he had helped hunt down when he'd been a squire and she was sending some kid to keep an eye on him and his team. But the job paid, 
and as broke as the Chimera Company was, they couldn't afford to be picky. Besides, after a job like this, with a member of the nobility on their references, they might not have to struggle so hard to find work. After three weeks of tracking down the thieving merchant, first locating her trail, then marching long and hard for days on end, the Chimera Company finally found her. But they did not find her alone. She had apparently hired an adventuring crew of her own to be her guards. What was supposed to be a swift ambush became a pitched battle. When it was over, the merchant lay dead, and her guards who were not killed with her had fled off into the forest. Glynn stood in the midst of the wreckage of the battle. The merchant's wagon was smashed to bits. Crates of trade goods spilled across the ground. The horses that had pulled the wagon had long since fled. The Chimera Company had won. Glynn should have felt... something. Anything. Instead, he was just numb, barely noticing the throb of his broken arm. Harold was dead and all that was left of Rhea was a giant scorch mark where she had been standing. She'd been caught in some sort of blast. Harold had been Glynn's oldest friend, and Rhea, well, he hadn't known her long, but she was an important part of the team, and they'd lost her. Can't think about them now. They're past my help. The rest of us still have to survive. Glynn turned back to the other two surviving members of the team. Patris had been knocked out cold. Nix, the only member of their party to have avoided injury, was checking out the unconscious thief's wounds and caring for them as best she could. Glynn had no idea what had happened to Wendell, the Earl's man. Bewildered and stunned, Glynn searched among the wreckage of the battle scene, sifting through what was left of the merchant's wagon for the stone statue. At least they could still do what they had come for. But nothing he found came close to matching the artifact's description. He then searched the bodies of the merchant and her guards. Still nothing. Glynn sat down on one of the overturned crates and tried to quell his panic. Nix got up from where Patris lay and tentatively approached Glynn. Glynn, this is bad. Patris needs medical attention and we don't have a healer anymore. On top of that, that psycho woman is going to come after us. She'll assume we have the statue after the mess we made of this merchant. What do we do? Glynn looked at the trade goods he had just sifted through. He didn't want to resort to common theft, but their friend and partner needed a healer, and for that, they needed money. The merchant was dead anyway. We'll take some of this stuff, sell it, then go find a healer in that town we passed. After that, back to looking for the statue. There are only a few places it could be. One of those guards could have run off with it. The merchant could have sold it after leaving Grenfirk. Or maybe Wendell found it and left us. I never trusted him. So here's our plan. First, we track down the guards that ran away. If that doesn't pan out, we make our way to Grenfirk. We ask about the statue in each town and village we pass through. And if we don't find it... We present ourselves to the Earl and explain the whole situation and pay back our advance with interest. Glynn was already gathering up the merchant's wares, but Nix just stared at him. Glynn, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe we should stop and consider things before we jump back in. I mean, gods, man. Harold was your best friend and he's dead, along with Rhea. 
and who knows if Patris will ever recover. That leaves you and me to finish the job, and you've got a busted arm. Can't we take time to recover, then figure out what to do next? Glynn stuffed the most valuable-looking items into his pack. You do what you want, Nix, but I'm going. The longer we wait, the harder it will be to track those guards. If one of them had it, and we lose their trail, we'll never find the statue. But if you don't want to go with me, that's fine. Maybe it's better if you stay and look after Patris. As he trudged off into the forest, Glynn heard Nix crying behind him. He knew that if he turned around and looked at her, he'd start crying too. He just couldn't afford to stop and mourn. Not now. Not after everything they'd been through. He had to finish the job. He wouldn't end up like so many others in his generation. A failure living in the spare room of his parents' house. Three weeks earlier. Wendell stood up straighter as the adventurers entered the room. His eyes flicked to Ms. Teleron behind the table. She definitely looked the part of an earl's steward, but he was sure it was obvious that he was just a farmhand. Surely these adventurers would see straight through these disguises. We're gonna be caught. And then they'll get mad and demand our money, and our crop growth charm will be lost, and the whole plan will fall apart, and... Cut the bullshit. In his whole life, Wendell had never heard gentle, kind Miss Teleron use language like that. It was all he could do from staring gape-mouthed at her. But as much as it shocked him, it seemed to throw off the knight speaking to her even more. Maybe this can work. Another member of the party, a woman in hunting garb, stepped forward and took over for the rattled knight. She seemed better able to match Ms. Teleron's intensity, but as she was clearly so focused on getting the job, it wasn't occurring to her to ask if she was really dealing with the attendance of this fictional earl. Ravea had done what she claimed she would, found a well-rounded company desperate enough to buy the villagers' lie. Not that Wendell had ever doubted her. He had only doubted the villagers' ability to lie convincingly. Ravea had come to their village three years before and immediately ingratiated herself with the elders by offering her services as a healer. Wendell's sister Laura had been suspicious, asking, Why would a university-trained healer choose to work in a small village where we can only pay her with coin instead of food once a year at harvest time? But Wendell thought his sister was just jealous. After all, there wasn't a woman in the village as smart, as beautiful, as amazing as Ravea, and the other guys in the village hadn't given Lauren much attention since the healer had arrived. Now, here Ravea was, with a crew of adventurers ready to recover the village's crop growth charm, just as she'd laid out in her scheme six months ago. The elders had loved the scheme. The war had recently ended, and the army was no longer so ready to pay well for beans in a peacetime market when beans were no longer scarce, so all the villagers were hard up for money. But now, thanks to their healer, they had a scheme to wait until after the harvest, then sell their village's charm for premium coin, then hire adventurers to steal it back before the spring planting, with no evidence pointing back to them. If it worked, they would be able to get the resources to diversify their crops for the next year. Here's our resume, complete with a list of references. 
Arhiler Ria's diploma from the Fairfield School of Apothecaric and Alchemic Sciences, and my writ of commission as a defender of the realm. Our ranger and our thief both have guild membership in their respective professions. Still, Ravea, or Rhea as she was now calling herself, was considered new to the village, and the elders had determined that they couldn't place all their hopes on a newcomer's shoulders. They had decided to send another villager with the adventurers as the Earl's representative to ensure that the charm would be returned. Wendell had jumped at the chance to play the role of the representative. Traveling the country for weeks with Rivea and a bunch of adventurers? It was the chance of a lifetime. Prague? Farmer Prague pulled open the door to the closet where Bart, another farmhand, was hanging upside down. Wendell winced. He knew that the injuries were fake, that the blood was some fruit jelly concoction, but it looked so real. And even with fake injuries, being hung upside down, tied and gagged, couldn't be pleasant. He was glad it was Bart in the closet and not him. Wendell? He tore his eyes away from Bart and stepped up to the table. This was it. He was going on a quest like a real adventurer. He would be going with the amazing Rivet. As Wendell's eyes met those of the gorgeous healer, the excitement drained out of him. The look in her eyes was cold, almost angry. She was clearly not pleased that he would be accompanying them. She probably thinks I'll mess this up, that I'll tip off the adventurers. I'll show her I can do this, though. I can live this life. I just need to find a chance to speak to her privately, so we can coordinate our efforts. We will pull this off, and she'll see me as more than just some farmhand yokel. Four days into the journey, Wendell still hadn't found a chance to speak to Rivette. Um, Rhea. Her name is Rhea now. Still, he didn't think he was doing too poorly. He was cordial with the adventurers, but mostly kept to himself. After all, the fewer conversations he had with them, the fewer opportunities he would have to mess everything up. The fourth night, Wendell was lying awake in his tent, thinking about how he could find a chance to speak to Rhea, thinking about what his future might be like if he could impress her on this job, thinking about how pretty her sapphire eyes, her dark curly hair, her full red lips were, when his tent flap was pulled open. Wendell sat up, startled, as Rhea stepped into his little tent. He was intensely aware of just how close she was to him. What the hell are you doing here, Wendell? Are you trying to blow this whole thing? Wendell's mouth gaped. He had thought he was doing well. What's the problem? She glared. You keep staring at me and trying to get time with me alone. The rest of the Chimera Company has noticed. We can't afford to raise suspicions. Wendell's eyes fell. He hadn't even considered how that might look. Maybe he wasn't as cut out for this as he thought. I'll stop trying to talk to you. I just thought it'd be better if we had a plan. No, you can't stop now. That would be the most suspicious thing you could do. Right now they just think you're sweet on me, so you have to keep trying to get chances to be alone with me. Wendell gulped. What? Will that be a problem? No, I think I can manage to act like I have a thing for you. So what'll that look like? Will we, you know, have to pretend to be together? 
No, you wanting me isn't suspicious. Me wanting a scrawny house guard would be. And besides, if it looks like I'm getting cozy with you, they might worry I'll double-cross them. I've only been with them for two months, after all. So you'll just have to pine unrequited, and they'll all tease me about the cute little house guard making eyes at me. Got it? Wendell was grateful that it was probably too dark in his tent for Rhea to see him blush. She thinks she's too good for me. Thinks even pretending to like me would be suspicious. She's probably right. What was I thinking? But there at the end, she did call me cute. Wendell met the eyes of the intimidating healer standing over him. Got it. From his hiding place behind a rock and out of the line of fire, Wendell watched as the Chimera Company fought the merchant and her guards. He had been grateful when Glynn had ordered him to stay out of their way. After all, what could a farmhand do to help a real-life adventuring party? And they were amazing, none more so than Rhea. She jumped in and out of the fight, swinging a mace with one hand and throwing explosives with the other. She made the bloody work of battle look like a beautiful dance. Bringing the mace down on the merchant's head, Rhea grasped the woman's satchel with her other hand. The bag tore away as the merchant fell lifeless to the ground, her head smashed in. Rhea took a few steps back from the fight, checked the merchant's satchel, then dropped her explosives on the ground. A second later, an explosion rocked the valley. Wendell ducked behind the rock and covered his face. Surely he hadn't seen what he thought he'd just seen. When the ground stopped shaking, he lurched to his feet and looked at the spot where Rhea had just been. Only a giant dark blast mark remained. Had Rhea just killed herself? But no, he caught sight of her ducking behind a tree and into the forest beside the road. The satchel must have the charm then. Glancing at the others to make sure they weren't watching, Wendell followed Rhea. It took him a few minutes to find her, and just as he approached her, he stepped on a twig. At the sound of the twig breaking, Rhea dropped and swung her mace low, tripping Wendell. He fell backwards and struck his head on a tree. Blinking, dazed, he stared up, trying to focus on Rhea's face. Rhea? Ravaya? This is just me, Wendell. You you got the, the charm? Wendell's vision swam. He tried to sit up and put his back to the tree, but he felt like he was going to throw up. Ravea sighed. Of course you had to follow me. Well, it's probably for the best. If you'd stayed with the Chimera Company, or what's left of them, you'd probably have let something slip, and your village would be in a lot more trouble than just losing their magic crop statue thing. Now, I think it's best for everyone involved if you just disappeared. Everyone except you, that is. Sorry about that. They shouldn't have sent you along. Wendell couldn't make any sense of what Ravea was saying. The crop growth charm wasn't lost anymore, was it? Didn't Ravea have it right there in her bag? And why did she think Wendell would lead the adventurers back to the village? Why did he need to disappear? Dimly, he was still trying to make sense of these questions, as Ravea's mace suddenly came hurtling towards his face. Ravea spent the rest of the day traveling through the forest, 
doubling back occasionally to ensure that the poor hapless Wendell had been the only person following her. Around sunset, she came out on another road, miles from the battle. Only then did she reach into the bottom of her travel bag and pull out the call stone that had hidden there for the past three years. She muttered the required incantation, and the stone started vibrating. After a few seconds, the vibrating stopped, and a voice came out of the stone. Friendly Face Farms Corporate Offices, where we grow the highest quality produce at the lowest possible prices. How may I direct your call? Yes, this is Agent Rain. I'm calling for the director. I'm sorry, he's in an important meeting right now. Can I take a message? Please tell him that I have the package and I'm on my way in. I'm sure he'll be overjoyed to hear that. We look forward to having you home again, Agent Rain. Yeah, me too. I should be there in a couple weeks, faster if I can find a horse. Rain out. Rain muttered the incantation over the stone again. It went still and silent. It took me three years. I wanted to tear my hair out with boredom in that little village. But now, I finally get to reap the rewards. She put it back in her bag and started down the road whistling to herself as she thought of all the things she could buy with the 30,000 gold piece bounty she'd get for the ancient artifact in her bag. Thank you for listening to Roll for Deception. If you enjoyed this story, be sure to share it on social media and check out other episodes of the podcast. If you would like to help Wild Speculation continue to grow and thrive, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash wildspeculation. For updates about the podcast and other writing projects I'm working on, including information about when you can expect Season 3 of Wild Speculation, please follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash wspeculation, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash wildspeculation. Roll for Deception was the final episode of the season and the final episode of the year for Wild Speculation. If, in the meantime, you are looking for some fiction to hold you over until Season 3, check out the Sample Chapters podcast. Jason A. Meiske here, and I invite you to join me each Tuesday on the Sample Chapter podcast, the show where authors from all over the world read a sample chapter from one of their books. There's been sci-fi, westerns, horror, romance, thrillers, and even the weird. So you're sure to find your next favorite book every Tuesday on the Sample Chapter Podcast. You can find the Sample Chapters Podcast, Wild Speculation, and a whole host of other great podcasts at projectentertainmentnetwork.com. I'm Andrew Rising, and this has been Wild Speculation. Until next season, let your imagination run wild.